Welcome to our Digital Disruptor series where we profile companies and innovations that are set to remake and reshape industries, companies, and the economy. We hope you'll enjoy our interviews and always welcome any comments and suggestions. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momenta Edge podcast. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta. And with us, we have Al Velosa, who is an industry analyst, uh, uh, industry expert for connected industry, IoT, digital industry. Uh, he's got a he's got a, a long career with a lot of deep insights. We've had some uh, some really interesting conversations in the past, and it's uh, Al. It's really a, it's it's a pleasure to have you join us. It's totally my pleasure. So thank you very much for having me on. Ed. Great. Well, I'd like to start first with a, a little bit of context and, and just get a sense of, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and what what has led you to uh, to the work that you're doing in technology. And would love to hear a bit of you know, the, the, the influences and, and, uh, and developments or, or um, inspirations that have led you to, to, to do to your current focus. Okay. I would sort of structure it for you then in two perspectives. One is the actual work experience. Uh, I came to IoT from a mix of a semiconductor slash photovoltaic perspective because that's part of the industries I grew up in. So that brought one sense of sensibility, the physical asset itself, uh, an implementation of it, in particular starting with smart cities, but also fitness monitors and things like that. So that that came and eventually really led to much more of a focus on the software, because right now uh, how we're implementing IoT really is about taking the data out of an asset and actually using it. So for me, it was sort of a journey on looking at, you know, how to connect to things, but then more particularly how to use the data there. So that's one part of it. But the other way that I would highlight it to you, the second path for me, is sort of this battle I have internally and that a lot of customers that I know of have, which is the battle between the the engineer in me and the MBA in me. Because, you know, I, I like you and like everybody else, fall in love with, oh, this cool technology, dude, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> but... There's plenty of times when it's also, well, but why are we doing that? How is there a business outcome for that specific use of the technology? Or alternatively, do we have a plan so that we can get uh, our team, our culture on board with that use of the technology? So for me, it's that sort of ongoing balancing act between where the technology is going and where the business is going. Yeah, it's uh, that is the. I mean that that's a you know, always a, an interesting dynamic that gets played out in uh, you know, certainly in you know, within organizations. Um, you know, I'd love to get your sense of you know how. I mean, as as you've watched the uh, the market for we'll call it you know industrial IoT or, or connected industry evolve. I mean, what are the what are some of the uh, really significant developments that you've seen that you know that really have have marked marked progress toward uh, what what is now 
becoming much more established as this, you know, this concept of of you know connected industry uh, or or even digital transformation. You know, you know what's what's changed since you since you first started working with uh, you know with semiconductors and hardware and 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 started to uh, you know started to connect the, connect the uh, the the system to these systems to uh, you know data analysis. <laughs> Right, absolutely. Um, I'd say there's a couple of things. We went from basically, um, hey, there's this cool technology. Let's play with it. So a lot of it was exploratory. Um, And we've gone through a variety of evolutions, but it really has sort of transitioned to nowadays I'm, I'm starting to really see a focus on business outcomes and really leveraging this technology to support uh, whatever that that enterprise is doing, whether it's a, a government agency supporting a citizen act initiative, uh, a medical environment trying to drive health, or an oil company looking to increase production while lowering its carbon footprint, right? It's that that real transition. Along the way, it also went from being a cool technology area with a lot of engineers and um, in particular semi-firms, but also it's now really shifted to where there's a very significant set of players from across every single technology spectrum that I can see. The, the, the one challenge is I still haven't seen a real consolidation in terms of folks who can deliver consistent business value. So for me, we're not fully there, but I'm, I think I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it's it's been it's been quite an evolution. You know, one of the uh, questions I always like to ask is, uh, you know, the really a pulse check of the of the market. I mean, if you go back now, it's six years now since GE had come out with its you know its trillion dollar uh, you know, economic value add calculations, and then Cisco had started talking about the Internet of Everything. But you know, we we did have a uh, you know a, a sense that the, the you know vendors were overselling the uh, how imminent that you know the promise of the realization of some of these these ideas would be. I'd love to get your sense, like you know, how did you know what happened with the uh, you know, over overselling the vision, as it were, and, and you know as you know, as you look at the market today, I mean, how uh, how far have we come from reco- recovering from the, I guess the you know the trough of disillusionment, as it were, that that followed. <laughs> um, I still think we're heading into the trough. Um, we we haven't fixed certain things in terms of the ecosystem uh, or lack of a structured one there, uh, lack of standards, lack of. Uh, really consistent business uh, stories from the vendors that then drive implementation. So, so if you will, for me, part of the challenge I have with the IoT environment as a whole is most vendors still are struggling to clearly lay out their business value proposition and uh, show how they can scale for their customers. And it doesn't matter what sector we're in, whether it's a water utility, a hospital, a retail establishment, this still remains a challenge. So so from my perspective, that that's one thing. The other thing, though, is if you look at the vendors, and you, you brought up Cisco and, and GE, which offer, let, let's, let's say they offer interesting lessons to the market, right? 
how do you make sure you set proper goals for a business unit? Um, how do you set it up so that salespeople are trained and incentivized to sell a particular solution uh, that aligns to the overall business? But also, how do you make sure that your customers are ready for this uh, set of capabilities you're bringing to the table? So th there's a whole host of challenges that most of the technology and service providers in the IoT arena still lack uh, that I think will give us pause for at least another couple of years. And that's why I think we're still heading a little bit more into the trough of disillusionment, even though I will also say in parallel, while we see more revenue for technology and service providers. Yeah. Do you, now, do you think how much of the how much of this these you know this uh, you know these issues or these obstacles are uh, business related uh, or or specific to a you know a, a particular industry um, you know versus being you know more of a comprehensive you know as you had described it it's a kind of a, a horizontal challenge right where you have uh, just this this. Be a sort of amorphous goal and lack of uh, me lack of a method, you know, at least a standardized methodology to, um, you know, to be able to harness data that comes from you know instrumented physical s systems. And, and so that's a really good point, Ed. Um, right, the for the past until about a year ago, so I'd say for the past seven-ish years, a lot of folks were trying to sell horizontal solutions without clearly understanding their customer's specific business problem and what they needed to scale that up. So from that perspective, that's still, I think, a, a bit of a challenge for most vendors. The smart ones have really started to really focus on vertical markets, uh, at least from the IT side. So the traditional IT players are, are increasingly bringing their vertical market, whether it's a manufacturing, a retail, an oil and gas, uh, you know, a specific agriculture solution. So th those ones, uh, there's quite a few folks that are moving down that path. They haven't finished, in my view, their transformation towards that. Uh, so, so that's what I would say is the area to watch if you're watching a series of vendors, mm -hmm. you know, see mm -hmm. how they are on that transition to vertical market expertise that delivers that business value using IoT-enabled capabilities right what are what are some of the industries i mean if you look at industries or uh companies at the vanguard are are, are there some that you you that, that you would see or are operating well ahead of others and uh and others that are you know still still wrestling with uh you know some of the some of the basic concepts <laughs> Well, I would say once a, an enterprise achieves a certain scale, especially uh, multinationals, you know, the left hand's not talking to the right hand. So we often see cases where one part of the business is doing cool stuff <laughs> and uh, other parts don't even know how to spell <laughs> security in IoT. Um, so so the, the, there's definitely that challenge. What I would say to you is sector-wise, the heavy asset folks are further along on the journey, uh, and this, this would cover any of the extractive industry folks, oil and gas, mm -hmm. mining, and those guys. They would cover electric utilities, water utilities. Uh, they're, they're, they've been exploring this area for quite a while, plus they have their 
uh, OT systems heritage, uh, in particular SCADA systems. So manufacturing would be the third area. Transportation is, is one of the areas where actually we do see some consistent solutions, particularly in fleet management. So that, in fact, fleets and the telemetry for that is the only really crystal clear multi-billion dollar market that we can all point to, mm. just to also emphasize that. But they, they're not fully shifting over enough to the business side of that, uh, on that. And then I'll close out with uh, retail and their focus on uh, a bit of a location-based service, but also trying to serve that customer a little bit better. Yeah. Um, retail has been really interesting, right? Because it, we were trying, we saw uh, certainly a lot of discussion about beacons, I think about four or five years ago, and that hasn't, haven't really seen much, uh, uh, you know, haven't seen a lot of innovations that, you know, that, that have gone, uh, you know, much past, you know, proof of concept stage at this point. But, but then, of, of course, in supply chain, they you know the innovations are you know have been you know, there's been a lot of you know a lot of development there. Um, yeah, would, would love to get your kind of your sense of of uh, you know what are what are some of the characteristics of of you know of, of success in it for for a project that is we'll just change, look we could just you know pick a pick an industry at random. But as, as you know, as you look at um, uh, sort of smaller, you know, starting small and getting bigger uh, is, is, is seems to be a pretty common approach. Uh, you know, what are some of the factors that, you know, that really do contribute to, to sustained success? Okay, so uh, let me give you a typical example, and sorry, without naming names, just because uh, for a lot of folks, they consider some of their uh, business outcomes proprietary. So, so uh, this will be a supply chain example from a, a company that deals with blood and plasma. So for the success for them, in part, was driven in three different ways. So the first part was the business. So they had a clear problem, and everybody agreed to that problem. In their particular case, they would lose the piece of paper that recorded the temperature of the blood and plasma. And because of the law... If they didn't have that, they had to discard it. So think about that. <laughs> it's not just that I'm losing millions of dollars every month, and they were, uh, but they were also losing blood and plasma. They, you know, that combined insult and injury all in one, it was, it was one of those. So having a clear business problem like that, I think, is one of the, the core indicators of success. And th there's many ways you can define that business problem, but, you know, this is a, an example where it's just hitting you in the face. For most other folks, it would be maintenance, lowering cost, increasing output, um, avoiding unplanned downtime. But, but again, to this one, it was they were losing money every month, and it was money and blood. So that was number one. Number two is the culture. How do you bring folks on the journey? Uh, and, and so one of the things I like to tell people is IoT is not about technology. IoT is a business process transformation using technology. And if you get into that mindset, you're really engaging your people on this. So, for example, the blood example, this blood supply chain example, they actually have a multi-phase project. I think they're on phase nine or so of this project where they tested out the technology, yes, they, they had to do that. They tested out the solution, but then they tested it with people at one location, then 
people in one city, then now it's at the state level. So how do you scale it out so folks can see it, folks can get used to it, incorporate it into their business process, but also uh, have regular folks, not just the senior executives, um, be the ones saying, hey, you know, now that we've been doing this, I think there's a good idea that we could use that data for to do something else, right? So how do we, for example, lower our insurance costs? Because if we know where the blood is and what the temperature and all this other stuff is, we, we definitely can lower the risk model for our insurance company, so they should be giving us a discount, right? That kind of uh, thought process, but coming from a, a line worker, uh, you know, our direct employee, not just the executive. In parallel to that, it needs to be sponsored by senior folks, and those senior folks need to communicate all the success that they're having. You know, just really have to communicate that success while at the same time saying, oh, hey, you know, we had this failure, but that's okay, we learned from it, and nobody's career was affected. So that's number two, the, the culture change, the, the aspects like that. And then number three, that's when you can really talk about the technology. And unfortunately, most enterprises overly focus on the technology just because, in part, they still think it's Internet of things, not business transformation. But there's still challenges in terms of how do we implement, how do we extract data, uh, the, the, the user experience and the user interface for both the technicians and the mm-hmm. developers working on this, but also the, the business folks using it. All of those remain challenges, scaling up, it, it, you know, so, so it's that transition that we see. Yeah, you hit a really uh, important point, which is the, uh, you know, how intrinsically uh, important it is to focus on business outcomes. And would love to get your take on how what we call IoT or industrial IoT compares to the, you know, the business process reengineering that we saw in the 1990s that really gave rise to, you know, these more standardized ERP system. I mean, you know, how, how would you compare and contrast where we are today with, uh, with connected industry or digital industry with that, with that earlier wave that ultimately re- resulted in, you know, some, some very standardized and, and, and quite efficient, uh, enterprise applications that have, that ultimately have become table stakes for for most large large enterprises. Um, so, I would say this is the logical sort of evolution of that kind of thinking. Except, what where we came with that business process transformation is they finally said, ah, we see these technology trends. So that mean we could get information about our assets. Right, and so it's it's very much aligned to that. Uh, so when I'm talking to either business or technology leaders at a company, I'm like, this is going to be just like your reengineering process or your ERP wars. How do you get all the folks in the room marching towards the same area with their different vested interests coming along? Uh, and, and that's actually part of the dialogue that I always encourage with our customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's. It's really. It is really critical to have that. Uh, um, the, you know, start with the outcome in mind. But do you need a, uh, you know, special skill set to, you know, to be able to tie back the business outcome to the, to the technology? You know, when you're when you're dealing with. Uh, with sensors, or, or is, or, or is this again like a, a continuum? Is it really just an evolution of of 
fairly uh, you know well established skills. Um, uh, <laughs> so I think this is one of those um, uh, you know the old story about the elephant and different people touching different parts of it. Uh-huh. it, it yeah. In part, it depends on what industry you're in and what's you know and all the cult- cultural and other normative factors there. But it also depends on your specific enterprise and their comfort with technology. So I don't think it's necessarily one set of skills, but clearly people management and change management are absolutely fundamental here, almost more important than technology, because normally your technology and service provider will bring that part of the to the table, but what's really needed from that end-user enterprise, whether it's a um, retailer or it's somebody who's, you know, managing a specific aspect of citizen service in a government agency. It's how do we bring all the folks on the journey? How do we train them? How do we protect them from any of the, you know, missteps? Let's not call it failure, but missteps we may have on this. So that's, uh, I think, the fundamental issue that's usually missing for most enterprises. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's clearly a yeah, clearly a challenge. But when you you know when you look at the uh, the, the technology itself, would love to get your uh, your views on you know what have been some of the important innovations in technology or enabling technologies that have given rise to the uh, the ability to get. New new business outcomes. I, I mean, I think the technology is still still does play a key role. Oh, absolutely, uh, please. I mean, uh, if we're not getting the data out of our things, we have to send somebody to go look at it, and we can't make consistent, coherent decisions about it because a lot of stuff is lost in that manual translation from data from an asset into a centralized repository. So, absolutely agree with you. Um, so provided the business and culture things are taken care of, from the technology side, part of it is the, the usual uh, semiconductor revolution rate, faster, better, cheaper, and lower power chips on assets where we can add some computing power. So that would be one part of it, the semiconductors. Two, the second part for me is really thinking about an event-based architecture. Now, now this goes hand-in-hand with the business, right? The the business has to understand what's the business value of the data. But in most cases, most data is not worth sending up either into the onto the network, uh, up to the cloud, or on the cellular environment, right? If I just have video of the highway and there's no cars there, I don't need to send that up uh, to the central environment. So really having an event-based architecture, that's another fundamental part of this. And so that that sort of also goes a little bit hand-in-hand with, say, rules engines and uh, CEP or complex event processing set of capabilities, but that would be another core area. Mm -hmm. Um, Security. Um, I'm sure you have enough horror stories about security that I don't need to emphasize that too much, but the continued uh, investment in security as well as the continued rise of security-conscious culture, that's another technology area. But... um, Those are the things that are enabling. Um, If if you want, we could shift to some of the challenges and the inhibitors that I see from a technology perspective. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to get your thoughts on you know where that where some of the bottlenecks are. Right. So for me, the number one bottleneck is standards. There's just um, we're at least 
half a decade, if not a full decade away from standards in all the verticals that we work in here. So, And part of this is because it's a vertical market by vertical market uh, perspective. In other words, if you accept my thesis that IoT is about the business process change, that effectively means you're dealing with a healthcare initiative or an automotive initiative or a steel manufacturing initiative. And as such, you have to be applying the specific sets of standards in your vertical market. So that's one part of it. But the other part is, uh, in most environments, we're, l- we're usually dealing with a legacy set of assets, right? Most hotels are built. Most manufacturing environments are, are built. So you have to go in and connect a whole series of, uh, of environments. And integration is both a fundamental challenge technologically because it, you know, it's such a complex issue at times, but it's also the area where right now there's the biggest skills gap for IoT. Having the people with the right skills mm. to address that, that's the core challenge and the core opportunity for a ver- variety of folks. And then, you know, if I start to look at the longer term, Right now, we're still at the phase of IoT where, for most folks, it's about basic monitoring. How do I connect to the asset and start looking at the data? As I move forward and start thinking about a future in, say, five to ten years, then it's going to be those analytics and those AI and ML sets of skills. That's when that part is going to be the challenge and the opportunity. But So, so then again, today, it's about standards and connecting. Uh, second, it's about integration, and I would even throw maybe security in there as a, as a core fundamental challenge, but, but there's a bit of overlap there. And then towards the future, it's the ML and AI. I, I wanted to, uh, before I have a couple of follow-ups to that, but one of them that jumps out is the you know, the talent shortage, and there have been, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, earlier this year, uh, PTC was out saying that they couldn't scale their business as fast as they wanted to because they were having trouble finding enough qualified people. What, you know, what are, what are some of the constraints that are involved with, with the talent shortage? Is it, um, you know, what, what sorts of skill sets uh, and combinations of skill sets are are, are needed that are uh, that that are currently not being addressed? And is there a you know is there a reason is there a way to uh, whether change schooling or training uh, you know to you know to address this shortage? Uh, no, absolutely. And part of this is like back when we were in the Y two K era, where all of a sudden, hey, where are all those COBOL <laughs> programmers? Right, so we some of this is we're dealing with legacy assets, and so uh, part of the challenge is we need folks who are flexible enough to be using both modern protocols and old-time green screen kinds of pre pre-cloud pre-internet kinds of environments. Right, so that flexibility no. to be able to think about how do I connect to this really weird, unique vendors, uh, you know, set of drivers that I basically have to figure out on the fly. That's one part of this. Another part would be really a series of folks who have the ability to interface with both IT sets of folks and business units sets of folks and build technical solutions. And, you know, we have different sets of mentalities on the IT and OT side. You know, some uh, there's that mix of standards versus it needs to work all the time, et cetera. 
so it's bridging that that cultural gap into that that puts the stress on some of the folks that we need but it's also just core I need more uh, flexible programmers who can deal with that integration challenge, who can deal with adding mm. security across the layers and so forth. So all of those lay it out, and that leads us to a gap in architects. So we, we right now also have a gap in, on the architecture side of IoT and how to lay it all out. So I'll pause here because I can yeah. keep going down that path. No, that's I mean that's that's really interesting. Do you think there are? I mean, I I have noticed that there are are you know there's growing uh, interest in you know from engineering schools in in developing this skill set. But what you've described is not just a, a, a challenge of um, uh, bridging both legacy operational technology and often uh, you know fairly proprietary uh, pro protocols often sometimes and with with information technology which is rapidly moving and uh, constantly changing um, you know how does how does that uh, how does the challenge of bridging just those skill sets also um, uh, interact with the cultural differences between because as you mentioned somebody who's a COBOL programmer is not necessarily likely to be a, uh, a Java programmer right and uh, <laughs> right. and similarly yeah I'd love to get your thoughts on you know some you know, some of the challenges involved with overcoming the you know the cultural differences as well. Yeah, because I mean, in particular right now, it's it's that sort of mix that I bring you in, and I need you to develop for the sake of argument that um, I need a really nice uh, user experience for the technician, so that they can look on their um, iPhone or their uh, Samsung phone, or right, um, look at this asset. And by the way, this asset is the uninterruptible power supply. Um, a, a UPC that has, you know, has been in the field for 10 years or 15 years, right? So on the one side, you're you're pushing that person to to have modern mobile app development set of capabilities, even low code, but still having to on the other side being connected to a legacy asset. So that's part of that that fundamental dichotomy here. So it's it's a mix of you need new sets of protocols and old, and then on mm-hmm. top of that. When you think about the technology and service provider ecosystem, there's quite a few of those vendors where uh, I'm not saying they want you to code in machine language, but, but pretty close, right? So, so yeah. it, it's it's a mix of what's out there, and so that puts a strain on the resources out there. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it really is a. It's a multi multi-year uh, process or undertaking to to kind of bridge those gaps. But uh, you know, related to the concept of integration uh, that you alluded to, uh, you know, as well as um, you know this need to uh, bridge different types of technologies, operational and information technology. I wanted to get to the, the subject of platforms because it's really been an interesting uh, it's been an interesting topic. And and again, if you if you go back you know, five or six years ago, you had a number of companies that were that were targeting the you know the IoT platform market. I think at at one point somebody had estimated, uh, and I don't know if it was you that had had a count. It was, um, but uh, you know somebody had talked about counting up somewhere close to four hundred different platforms, and that's clearly a you know the not a sustainable number of different platforms. But would love to get your 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 perspective on you know the the value of a platform and also the 
dynamics of a market that you know that are giving rise to so many platforms, and ultimately, you know, what has to happen for that to uh, that to really to you know ultimately to coalesce around a few leaders. Right. Um, so first of all, yes, I've been known to say that roll that number. In fact, I've bumped it up because uh, sometimes in one week I'll I'll meet anywhere between three and ten vendors that I've never seen before. Some in in Asia, some in the specific vertical market. So the IoT platform ecosystem continues to evolve. Is is one thing that I will definitely emphasize. Uh, the good news is that the the market continues to evolve. So, you know, f- far from the days about only four years ago <laughs> where we were still arguing what was in an IoT platform, uh, we've seen a continued evolution where, you know, there's clear, you know, device management, data management, integration, uh, app enablement, uh, security analytics, right? So th- they're all embedded in there. But more importantly, folks are starting to roll them out, as we said earlier, on that vertical market basis. So whether you're you're thinking about uh, an Accenture with its CPaaS, uh, GE predicts, um, you know, Microsoft, Azure IoT, and sorry, those are the big guys. You know, there's there's of course all the smaller guys like an IO Networks, uh, uh, Relayer, uh, Teasel, uh, QIO. All these folks are really starting to come at it and serve their customers, but just to qualify to you, I still see it as a blue ocean for most of these companies. So even though I actually think right now there's anywhere between six and 700 of these companies, they rarely run into each other because there's still so much opportunity uh, driven by end users, again, hotels, mm-hmm. uh, manufacturing companies, uh, train companies, right? that they're all still sucking that up and and it's still a very wide open set of requirements. Do you think there's a uh, really a viable path forward though for a for a horizontal platform? I mean ultimately uh you know what it, it it's you know there's a it's a semantic uh a little bit of a semantic dance to call a a platform that's only supporting one app uh, really a platform. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you, I mean, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you see, uh, I mean, if you go back to the application server market, right, a lot of them just uh, evolved into the applications that they were supporting. Do you, do you see a similar dynamic happening here? Uh, I, I do see that, although I would emphasize to you, I, I continue to see companies adding, uh, vertical market capabilities. So it's definitely a space where anywhere between, uh, I'd say, uh, three to, to six vertical markets for most of the vendors that I look at is, is what they have, right? So, so that definitely is, is the evolution of the market. Uh, the, the flip to what you said is we are seeing the rise of sort of pseudo-pure plays, but it sort of it really aligns to their business. So some of the lighting companies really taking that same approach and going down there. So that's one approach that we've seen where it's very hyper-focused on their vertical. Mm. The other one is where it's very much a best-of-breed slash open-source set of companies. Where, you know, And again, it's, it's either they're coming very much from open-source, say Sophia, um, or uh, they're leveraging a lot of best-of-breed open-source set of capabilities 
from their partners and other communities. Right. Yeah, that's I think that that makes a lot of sense. So, um, you know, one of the areas that's been super topical these days has been the, you know, the impact of machine learning and, and AI and would love to get again, this is, you know, this, this, this has become the proverbial bright, shiny object for, for, you know, for investors and, and a lot of folks that were, uh, you know, they were calling themselves cloud companies or now AI companies, but would love to get yeah. your you know, your view on what's, you know, what, what do you think is important in an, you know, when it regards, you know, really incremental, you know, technology innovations and, and, you know, over time, where do you, where do you think there could be some real, you know, transformative impact from, from the, these technologies? Uh, okay. So I would, I'm I'm less optimistic about the near-term opportunity about AI and ML in IoT, in part because you need the volume of data to deal with this, but also in part because what's <laughs> to go all business school on you, right? Clayton Christensen talks about what's the job to be done, and today the number one job in IoT is actually just connecting to the asset and doing basic monitoring. So for me, AI and ML is more the 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 opportunity in two to four years, that's really when we're going to see that take off, in my humble opinion. Now, don't get me wrong. I do see mm. a few interesting areas where there's enough data and, and other volumes of, of information to really leverage it, uh, particularly, for example, in smart meters and other sectors like that. But for me, the job to be done today for most enterprises is connecting to the asset. So that's what's driving the, mm-hmm. the business opportunity. And the the opportunity for AI ML is really going to be in that again not long term but medium range uh, future so two to four years out. Yeah, it's it is one of these classic technologies. It's it's a bit oversold in the uh, uh, in the early stage, but you know certainly the, you know there's a lot of a lot of potential. Um, would love to get your thoughts of, as well on on blockchain. I mean, a, a year ago or two years ago, if we were having this conversation, that, that probably would be the first question. But you know how you know how do you see the uh, practical pragmatic uses of, of, of blockchain now that we've seen the, um, you know, the, the hype and the froth and the silliness uh, <laughs> die down around the, uh, you know, the I, ICO craze and, and all that and the crypto craze. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the central and fundamental power of the distributed ledger or blockchain style technology is also its challenge in IoT. If we're going to distribute a lot of the information, mirror it, and compute in a variety of environments, that limits where it can be used effectively in IoT. So, so one of the things that when I'm talking to customers, it's what's your set of requirements that would really enable you to take advantage of the power of this distributed ledger versus what are your constraints. And again, the power and the compute and the storage is one of the ones that usually drives folks to take a step back and look at this. So I, I definitely see environments where they do need to replicate it and they have that extra compute power. But for a lot of the mobile applications in particular, that's still a challenge. Now, if, if I was to look a little bit further down the, the horizon as we continue to see the evolution of fleet management in particular, 
you could see the use of blockchain really coming up there because it's going to mm. be part of that. Hey, the truck comes in and it, it already has a, an account that pays for whatever services it's getting. And, and so there would be enough power and compute and storage there to justify it, right? But at the same time, there's a specific business driver for that that, that aligns it all together. Yeah, that's so, the... That's uh, that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, it's the it's it is the classic uh, chicken and the egg uh, challenge in, with a new technology, right? You gotta you gotta have that. You know, the there has to be a business justification. Absolutely, and, and so again, there, there's quite a few of these. In particular, as we see the potential evolution of things as customers, where there is going to be a very strong driver either for this or a similar sort of technologies. But uh, otherwise, then it's that balancing act. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, as as you um, as as you look forward, I mean, I'd love to get uh, your view on on you know what are you optimistic about? What uh, you know what 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 makes you really excited? And uh, you know what are what are some of the big concerns that you have about uh, you know? I mean, this is a it's a big broad question, but you know, as you look at what people are doing, what some of the opportunities are out there, and as you look at big, uh, you know, challenges and risks ahead, you know, what 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 really come to mind? What are top of mind for you? Um, well, the risks, <laughs> uh, obviously, it's about security. So for me, have have they really thought about the challenge they have here? So that's definitely one of the the, the core problems I have is that. Folks pay lip service to security, but then they don't implement it appropriately, or they just do a fig leaf, right? Hey, we have a CISO, a chief information security officer. Well, that takes care of everything, right? So, so there's quite a bit of, of challenges like that. So for me, uh, I really do worry quite a bit that there's going to be a pushback on IoT in general just because it'll get a bad name from a few bad apples. You know, the, the typical example, for example, that a, 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 mon a baby monitor where, where they didn't really put in too much security and they don't update it, right, so, so it's easy to hack into. Um, or alternatively, the cars, you know, we've seen enough cases where they've been hacked into. Uh, and so what's the patch and update strategy that we see in the market? That's still something in evolution. Uh, so those are some of my concerns. But what I would yeah. say is I still think of this as the wave of the future. So mm. I am excited about IoT in general because I see the business outcomes across sectors, whether it's um, fleet management, oil and gas, retail. Uh, I'm seeing folks both lower costs but also find new revenue opportunities. So that's one thing that I would say. The second thing, though, and what really gets me excited about this is that IoT, but other digital trends in general, have really pointed to the rise of digital twins. So for me, digital twins, that's really the next wave. That's, uh, there's so much potential here, and we're just now starting to explore what it means to us as companies, as a society. So that's the, the most exciting thing. How do we digitize and create digital representations of people, processes and things so we can make better decisions about them. Dude, that is so exciting. 
how do you how do you how, how would you define a digital twin and and you know what is i mean i've heard a number of different uh, approaches but what you know what what does it you know what is special about the digital twin in your view um uh, so there's a couple ways to sort of think about the digital twin based on that question. So the first thing is what I would say is, look, digital twins aren't new. NASA built them, right? So it's been 50, 60 years since NASA would put, you know, a room full of PhDs and what they back then called supercomputers uh, in a room, and then they would also build mock-ups or something, right? So... But that was 50, 60 years ago. And like everything else, it's gotten faster, better, cheaper. There's been a whole ton of investment. The, the Department of Defense was looking at it for, for aircraft. Um, Siemens and GE and uh, PTC have all been looking at it, right, a whole bunch of companies. Uh, Aviva right now is in the process of merging their 3D capabilities with some of the eco-structure capabilities to, to look at new views. So, so what's happened over time is it went from being, you know, this high-fidelity physics model to a, an environment where you're looking very specifically, again, person, processor, thing, to make a business decision. In, in, and to do that, what you do is you have a model or a template of the business decisions you want to make from that. You populate that model with data with, and with the unique identity of that thing or person or process, and then you figure out a way to connect it to monitor it. So, so let me give you two examples. So, so the typical example most people will see of a digital twin today uh, in their lives is either, one, the customer 360. It's not a perfect digital twin, but the customer 360 is one approach where you think about how the, the retailer uh, both online and real world, is trying to send you coupons or influence your your shopping behavior based on the model, the data, your identity, and how they monitor your activity. Um, so so that that's one example of it. How do they influence you using that model view? That's one. Alternatively, my current favorite digital twin, although there's many, but my my, my favorite digital twin right now is the digital twin of my stereo because right, it, it tells me which stereo units are around me, what, what's their battery status, what's their volume, um, and if they are connected to my music collection, and then I can con control them appropriately, right? So yeah. a digital twin has gone from this high-fidelity physics thing that you know, NASA built way back mm -hmm. into the day to, to now a variety of different approaches where you can either have one of a person, a thing, or a process to drive a business decision. Hopefully yeah. that, that answers it. Yeah, I think, well, I think, and what you described is that this, um, you know, the, the technology and the concepts become uh, much more tangible to regular folks rather than people who are working in, you know, high, you know, uh, highly capitalized uh, industrial businesses. Do you, you know, how, how do you, how do you see uh, some of these, these, Tools and technologies, you know, impacting daily life over the next uh, over the next five to ten years. Well, as as consumers, obviously, we'll be able to touch a lot more of our IoT enabled assets. But um, from an enterprise perspective, we're going to be thinking about: Hey, we have all these assets. Um, how do we optimize our management of them? What, what's their status? So there's going to be really thinking about that. But where the, the next level of excitement gets is, 
what we were just talking about is what we call a discrete digital twin. The next level is a composite. When, when you either look at, for example, a manufacturing line or a floor in a hotel um, or, for example, a, a series of cars for a car rental company at, say, an airport in San Francisco or New York, right? Then you can start thinking about, well, I, I go from a discrete asset where I have one set of business decisions to a broader view where I make a different set of business decisions. So it's going to be that, that consolidation view, but also thinking up and down in terms of what does this enable me as a business decision maker or even a consumer decision mm-hmm. maker, but what does this enable me to do that I couldn't do before? Yeah. And, and in particular in business, Ed, the next thing is going to be how do we play in the ecosystem? Uh, for example, if I really understand what's going on with my power generation uh, equipment, how do I play in arbitrage markets? Oh, the, the, the level of opportunity and excitement that I think we're going to see over mm. the next five years is going to be just like the, in my view, uh, well, maybe not as much as the Internet, but pretty darn close to when the Internet came in, because this is one of the next logical waves of both the Internet and the Internet of Things. Yeah, yeah. I, energy is, is, I mean, there's so much change that's, I mean, potential, you know, transformative change at, at hand here. Uh, we had some conversations about that earlier. Um, but I, you know, I, I'd love to get your sense uh, just, you know, as, as, as we, as we wrap, you know, wind down here, uh, are there, are there any interesting either projects, technologies or companies, uh, or even themes that you're keeping your eye on that you, you find is especially interesting over the next, uh, over the next couple of years? Um, well, so definitely, uh, the digital twin concept, because by the way, you can then think of a lot of different nuances on digital twins. There's the customer 360, the asset 360. There's the digital twin of the supply chain, uh, and so forth. The digital twin of the organization. So that would be one, definitely one of the areas I think is exciting and I'm tracking. The other thing, though, is quite a large number of companies out there. So I mentioned Aviva right now. That's an interesting company just because it's merging a series of capabilities. Um, GE Digital, I think a lot of us are looking at it to see how it reinvents itself with the new management they have and how they come back and reestablish itself and regain customer confidence. Um, right. So there's definitely um, a very strong interest there. Um, I think all of us are looking at the cloud companies to see if they really are able to get from their uh, approach up in the cloud and actually get much more verticalized and down with discrete data. So, so that's that's definitely one of those. But then there's also all these cool little companies. You know, there's companies like Tuya and Pepper that focus on consumer electronics. There's companies like Particle that uh, have a broad approach to OEM products. Um, uh, companies like uh, QIO and IOTIC Labs, for example, that are working in aviation environments, or companies like Relayer that are divisions of uh, – Relayer is part of um, uh, Munich Reinsurance, right? So how do you yeah. combine IoT and finance models? I mean, it's just like, whoa, that's <laughs> – that, that merits a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's amazing too. That I mean, because the the business models, you know, the opportunities to move, um, you know, for these financial companies again to kind of move downstream and and create brand new businesses. It's 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 really pretty exciting, and I think we're 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 very much in agreement of the of the potential there. So, um, well, this has been a great conversation, Al, and always it's a it's a it's a pleasure to talk with you. I I always like to ask one final question, which is uh, whether you might have a uh, a book or resource you might be able to share for for our listeners that uh, you know that 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 you find uh, you find note- noteworthy. Okay. So a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I'm, I would remiss if I didn't uh, mention and give a shout-out to a colleague of mine, Emil Berthelsen, who with Don Deloach, Deloach um, uh-huh. wrote uh, The Future of IoT. So, it, you know, it's a little bit old. You know, it's from 2017, but I think a lot of the insights they, they hit on there are still extremely apropos to anybody in IoT. Um, but I think the, the broader point is is a book called Mindset by uh, mm. Carol Dweck. Oh. Just because it's huh. just like, our, uh, how do you continue to be a, in a growth mindset? How right. do you continue to evolve as a person? And I, I would mm-hmm. suggest that is actually totally applicable to anybody, whatever their interest is. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great recommendation. I, I uh, um, I'm going to make we'll make sure to have both of these uh, on the you know in in the show notes. Actually, we had interviewed uh, Don. Oh boy, it was a couple couple of years ago, uh, even before we started doing the podcasts. But he's uh, super knowledgeable, and I'm I've I've heard great things about Carol Dweck as well. So I'm looking forward to it. So. Um, well, anyway, it's it, listen. This has been a, a, a fascinating conversation. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, again, we've been speaking with uh, Al Velosa, who's an uh, industry analyst and and uh, expert on connected industry and IoT. And again, this is Ed McGuire, uh, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners. And want to thank you again, Al, for for taking the time. My pleasure, Ed. Thank you very much. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momentum Partners, and we thank you for listening to our Digital Disruptor series of interviews. For further information, please check the show notes as well as our website for more information on the innovations and innovators profiled here. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. 